So today I want to talk about how to unlock your no limits life, and that is by figuring out how, how to master your willpower. And I want you to be able to leave here today with actionable steps that you can take to change your, day, your life one day at a time. I've got to turn up my brightness here. All right. So by practicing these small steps daily, you're going to be able to actually change the way you think. And, the, and when you do this, you are going to activate the blessings that God has for your life. And you're going to see them like you've never seen them before. So how, does that sound good? Does that sound like something people want? Amen. I'm really excited to teach on this because I think it's really going to help us to pursue our limitless life in Jesus. Because I look back on, the, on this month's teaching and what all the speakers have taught on, like it, it shows this plan that, what, that God has for us. Because uh, this month we heard from Mason and how we could uh, tune into God and live a righteous life. Then Carrie taught us how that we, uh, God has a good plan for us and that we're winners and we walk from a place of victory. And then Kunra taught us how we need to watch out for the traps, the, uh, the, the, the lures that the devil uses to try to entice us to sin, right? And these are all pieces of a puzzle that when fit together, create a picture of a no-limits life. And God is preparing this church for great things. I truly believe that. So as I was seeking God, just asking him uh, about my message, I was trying to figure out what prevents us from living this best life that he has for us. I kind of want to just trace it back to a root problem, see if I could find some sort of issue that, that continues, continually rises up. Because we can hear a thousand good messages of what we should be doing or how to do it or what God has for us. But I've seen very few people, uh, including myself, because I'm not here, but that are living a ridiculously amazing life, the one that the Bible tells us that is possible. Because we just have to learn to grab a hold of these blessings that he has for us. So I don't know of a single person who has ever accomplished every single one of the goals that they have created. I don't know anyone who has unlocked all the promises that God has for us, because there's a bunch of them, and I truly believe we can unlock all those blessings and have them activated in our life. Yeah, I do know people that are successful, and I know people that are spirit-filled, living godly lives, but there's always a better version of themselves that they see. There's always something greater. There's a bigger picture that they can imagine for themselves. And most of the time, our biggest dreams are actually like sitting on a back burner, you know, and that burner has been turned on to low. And it's just barely, barely warm back there. But it's an idea that you once had great passion for, you know, but it's cooled off. Maybe it's a dream of being debt-free. Maybe it's a dream of being a full-time missionary in Africa, but you didn't see how you could possibly do that. Or maybe it's uh, owning your own business. But again, the natural world tells you that, no, you can't do that. Whatever it may be, we all tend to have these big dreams that most of the time, God has put on our hearts for you to accomplish, but we have no actionable steps in place to ever reach these goals. If you just think back 10 years from now, is your life the way now, the way you envisioned it 10 years ago? Have you accomplished everything you want to accomplish in the past 10 years? Because according to our core scripture, God's plan for us is infinitely greater than even ours. So that plan you had for you, God had a bigger plan for you. Amen? Meaning, I believe if we stay focused on God, the plans that we form will seem small because of what Jesus has done for our lives. So we can look back and say, wow, I can't believe that's all I was believing for. 
because look how good God has been to me. Amen. So I begin to look back uh, and to, uh, on, on what holds us back from this kind of life, and two things stood out to me, and that was desire and willpower, most commonly referred to as self-control when you're reading the Bible. With these two things, that's desire and willpower, you can accomplish anything. If you have the desire to do it and the willpower to follow through, you can accomplish anything. But not all of us can be a wills, you know? That just happens to be my last name. Like my wife always says, where there's a wills, there's a way. Just because we have excellent wills power. Okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's enough with all the wills jokes, but seriously. <laughs> no, we have the same struggles and the same problems everybody else does. But uh, So I want to start talking today about desire. And desire is a funny thing because you may have the desire to change. And that's the Holy Spirit speaking on the inside of you, getting you to change. And that desire comes from the inside, but your flesh has a desire as well, which is where your willpower comes in. For instance, if you have the desire to eat well and exercise, that's a good desire. But yet your flesh says, you know, eat that donut and sit on the couch. There's two conflicting desires going on in your life, and your flesh will win every time if you do not practice willpower. What is interesting is that these bad decisions are actually worse for you. So why do we do them? It's something I've tried to figure out for a long time. Uh, I just, I, but hopefully this message will bring a little bit of clarity to it. So if you have a desire already to seek God and to go in a deep relationship with God, you're, you're, already, you're one step closer because you need that desire to activate that willpower. But... Uh, I would assume most of us have that desire because we're here at church. But how do you increase this desire? Because this is how the Bible tells us we should desire God. I have no screen. So I am at 1 Peter 2, 2, 2, 3, if you have your Bible or a Bible app. But it says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious as newborn babes. Did you know newborn babies need fed every two hours? This is how we're supposed to crave God's word. Something that we have to have because it's vital for spiritual growth. Our spirit is already perfect, so we need the word to feed our soul. This is how we begin to change our mind and our will and our emotions to align with our spirit, our born-again spirit. And in Psalms 42, 1 through 2, this says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Again, your desire should be a necessity, like an animal that's panting for water on a hot day. It should be like an addiction. First uh, Corinthians 9.24 Do you know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way you may obtain it. So these scripture paint a picture of how we should desire God and his righteousness. But how did we increase this desire? For Revelation 3.16 tells us to be neither hot or to be either hot or cold, because if you're a lukewarm, he will spit you out. Did you know the, the message Bible puts it this way? You make me want to vomit. 
We do not want to be lukewarm. You want to be hot for God. So what do we need to do to increase this desire to where uh, we, we just have great passion to seek Him and His will for us? Matthew 6, 19 through 21. This tells us, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So whatever is taking precedence over your relationship with God, you need to get rid of it and start laying up your treasure in heaven instead of here on earth. And that will change the desire of your heart. Remember when a Pastor Cade said, if God isn't first on your list, then he's not, he's, he's not on your list. He will not take second place. Well, you know God is our list, and your list should look like this. It should be God. God, what do you look like in my family? God, what do you look like in my church? God, what do you look at my job, my friends, in my life? He's not just on top of your list. He is your list. You need to incorporate him in all that you are doing. So let's look at what Paul says about desire. And this is in Philippians 2, 12 through 13. And it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. The NLT translates it this way, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God has already put the desire in your heart to burn for passion for him. But it is in our born-again spirit. We have to work out our salvation. This is to bring out the desire that is already there. So so that desire actually ties into willpower. So I'm I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I just want to say, who has because I've done these things. Who's made a plan to read the Bible every day? Yet weeks pass by and you realize the only Bible you've read was the the message that popped up on your phone because you downloaded the Bible app. Uh, Who's made a plan to eat healthy and work out? Gina and I did this so many times. It felt pointless to try. We were so dejected for a while because we tried so many times and failed. Who has hopes or created goals just to see the deadline you put on them slip by and you realize you've never even started working on them. Maybe you were super excited, yes, super excited at first, but the emotional high soon faded and busy life got in the way. Not only have I been through all these struggles and much more, but I see people go through these same problems every day. And the problem is motivation is fleeting And this is why a strong willpower is necessary for you to accomplish your goals. Because a lot of times we can judge people who seem to be constantly making mistakes, you know, that same mistake over and over. And we love to gossip about people like that, how they're ruining their life. And when the fact is, while there is a few people out there who do enjoy their bad decisions and living in habitual sin, what I have discovered is most of the time these people are struggling to change. You know, they they don't want to do the bad things they're doing either. And it's easy to point out other people's problems, especially if it's an area of your life that you have down and under control. You know, you just want to tell them, what are you doing? Don't you know this is bad for you? And the answer is yes. 
They do know it's bad for them. And guess what? If you're criticizing them, you're just agreeing with how the devil sees them. You're saying you're worthless. You're a failure. That's the exact same thing that Satan's trying to tell them. Yes, there is a place for godly correction, but godly correction is always done from a place of love. You know, this type of struggle that we deal with is exactly what Paul was saying in the book of Romans, where he basically says, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do do. And then he, and he goes on to say it's sin that is in his flesh. So now, I don't believe that Paul was caught up in some sort of habitual sin, but he was using this as an illustration to show us that even though we are born again, we still have our flesh. And our flesh will desire things that are not of God. And we have to renew our minds in order to bring this flesh under subjection. And this takes a conscious effort and willpower. So this indicates that willpower, or self-control, is essential for a happy and successful life. It's essential to unlock your potential in Christ. Self-control has even been proven in the natural world, again, showing how God is the God of both the natural and the supernatural. Because there was an experiment done in the 60s. This experiment was known as the Marshmallow Experiment. And psychologist Walter Michel, I think I pronounced his name right, but he offered four-year-olds, so these are little kids, four-year-olds, one marshmallow now, or two marshmallows if they could wait 15 minutes. And so what they did was, is they followed these children throughout their whole childhood and through their adult lives. And the children that they, who resisted temptation that could wait the 15 minutes, they called them high, de- high delayers, but they achieved greater success in life. They had better health. They had lower divorce rates or marital, marital separation rates. They were more successful in everything they did because of... Uh, they were, they were known as high delayers. But <laughs> why is that? Why were they so much more successful just because they could wait 15 minutes? They had better self-control, which leads to better decisions. Decisions based on long-term goals instead of short-term, uh, instantly gratifying the flesh, which is a short-term goal. Like saving, it's like saving so that you can buy a car with cash instead of pulling out a high-interest loan so you can get that car you really want now. So how do we increase this willpower? Well, willpower is like a muscle. It needs to be worked out, but it can also be overworked. So you can actually deplete your willpower and and fail at something later because you've drained it all. But one of the best ways to increase your willpower is by meditating. Uh, meditation has been shown to increase the gray matter in the prefrontal cortex of your brain. This is area of your brain, and in this area of your brain is used for planning and decision making. Increasing gray matter here will increase your self-control, and it'll also increase your ability to handle stress, and it will help you make better decisions. Isn't that awesome? And God knows this, and that's why he tells us to do it all throughout Scripture. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Amen? And then again in Psalms 
My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. Mm. The word meditate is used throughout all the Psalms, by the way. It's an awesome, awesome thing there. And in the book of Joshua, it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So isn't that awesome? God is telling us what we need to do to be prosperous. You need to speak his word, and you need to meditate on it day and night. This is the renewing of your mind the Bible talks about. Did you know that worrying is meditating? But when you worry, you're meditating on the wrong things. This allows the enemy to work in your mind, causing stress, depression, doubt. That's why you need to meditate on what God is saying instead. Anytime you get a voice from the devil telling you a negative thing, you just go into God's word and find out what God says about you, and you meditate on that. Because it's, it's more than just reading it. You need to take small pieces of the Bible and just roll around in your mind. Get quiet. Roll that same scripture over and over in your mind all throughout the day. Get still and quiet also. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. You know, I've heard people say that they don't like to get still and quiet because they said that the mind is, uh, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Which, you know, if, if you can't get quiet and with your own thoughts, if they're bothering you, then you need to get in the Word more because you need to change the way you're thinking. And because you should be able to meditate, you should be able to get alone with God and your thoughts should not get in the way. So the first, the first thing you need to do is get in the Word and you need to change the way you think. So when you meditate, you need to think about God's Word, and then you need to get quiet and still and listen to the Holy Spirit. This develops self-awareness, and you begin to see who you are in the Spirit and not in the flesh. So in meditation, when thinking about Scripture, you imagine doing the things Jesus and the disciples did, okay? So you imagine yourself doing that, because remember, Jesus said, in John 14, 12, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to be with my Father. So we're called to do the same works Jesus did, and even greater works. So when you read about Jesus healing a blind man, you can imagine Jesus healing them through you. You can put yourself in that situation and use your imagination. When the Bible says multitudes came to him and he healed them all, imagine yourself laying your hands on multitudes of people and them being healed. Imagine yourself raising people from the dead. Because when you use your imagination, an amazing thing happens. Your brain stores this information similarly to the way that it stores memories. So as you begin to see yourself doing these things, it starts to change the way you think, and it will become natural for you to pray for the sick. And you will expect healing because you've already seen it happen through your hands. You've already done it. You've seen it in your mind, and you've rolled it over a hundred times. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When you do this, you increase your faith, and you change who you are. Another way to increase self-control is just by practicing it. Remember, it's like a muscle. So this way, you work it like a muscle. And generally, this is saying no to short-term satisfaction and yes to a long-term goal, like getting out of bed instead of hitting snooze, or working out instead of watching TV, choosing a healthy meal instead of junk food, 
All these are putting aside what the flesh wants in order to achieve a bigger goal. In, in today's world, we have so many things vying for our attention. Our mind is often occupied, and that allows our body to dictate our actions. We lack focus because our phone has 15 apps on it that our notifications are going off all day. And we have the internet at our fingertips. So anytime we have a thought, we can just Google it randomly, right? Like, what is the weather like today? Or who won that game last night? Who was the 36th president? What is the nutritional content of a purple crayon? <laughs> Seriously, any random thought you have, you can go to the internet and get to it. And what this does, though, is it interrupts our focus. And this is actually not good for your willpower, believe it or not, because you're training yourself to give in every time your flesh asks for something. You give in to it instantly. So instead of doing these things, what you need to do is... is you can have a note list of things that you want to look up and just write it down, but do it at a predetermined break and then stay focused on what you're doing. And this way you will learn to be self-aware and you, you're learning to control your flesh. And you know another scientifically proven way to do this? It's fasting, which is mentioned all throughout the Bible. That's what I love about the Bible. It, it lines up with science because God created science. But fasting is doing this very thing you're telling your body no. And this way you're putting it under subjection and you're letting your spirit take control. Let's take a look at this in Matthew. Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit to be tempted into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So this temptation was twofold. You know, first Jesus said he was hungry. So we know that Jesus had used his willpower to not eat for 40 days and 40 nights, depleting his willpower. Remember we talked about how he could do that? because it's just like a muscle that can be overworked. So I'm sure the bread in and of itself was a temptation, but the main temptation here was to get him to doubt who he was. If you are the Son of God, that's how the devil stated the question, trying to get Jesus to doubt who he was at his weakest state. But while Jesus had been fasting, I guarantee you he had been meditating on the scriptures of who he was. You know, because you can see his answer. It is written, man shall not live by, the bre by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He'd been living in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights off the word of God. Jesus knew who he was because he was living off the word of God. Do you know who God says you are? Do you see yourself the way that God does? Or do you see yourself the way the world does? That's why it's important to stay in that word so we know who we are and we don't doubt it. So let's look at another event that happened with Jesus. And this is in Matthew uh, 17, 14 through 21. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. 
So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now, the disciples had already cured and many people and cast out demons by now because they had already been given the authority to do so, and it tells us that they went out doing those things. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. It's pretty harsh when you're a disciple and Jesus says that, you know. Uh, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. So it almost is like Jesus expected them to be able to do it too because he already gave them that authority. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So they were just as confused because they, they knew they had the authority. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Remember that there, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be, be moved from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So that kind of seems contradictory, right? It was like, well, what is it? Was it the unbelief, or was it because they didn't pray and fast? Well, it's actually kind of both, but some people think that this is saying prayer and fasting is like petitioning God to move, which is not the case because you could, just by the way Jesus answered their question, this, uh, it's not that we have to do something to get God to cast that demon out. That's not what that was saying. It was saying, no, for this, a demon moves only at the name of Jesus when used in faith. Jesus just called his own disciples faithless and perverse. Then he said they could do anything if they had the faith the size of a mustard. He's like, you do anything if you just had a little bit of faith. So he had already given the disciples the authority, but they had not been meditating on what God had called them to do or letting their spirits guide them by learning to control the flesh through fasting. So prayer and fasting do not get God to move. Prayer and fasting affects us by removing doubt and building up faith, which activates the authority we've already been given. Does that make sense? So prayer and fasting affects us by removing doubt and building our faith, which activates the authority we have already been given. So without self-control, we are also vulnerable to temptation and sin. If we can master self-control, it will have a positive influence on our happiness, our success, and most of all, our relationship with God. Since we can overwork our willpower, we also know when we, we need to know when to fight and when to flee. Okay? Because oftentimes there are times we just fight temptation instead of fleeing from it which depletes your willpower, so you won't have it for later use. For instance, if you are single and make the godly decision to abstain from sexual immorality, you can avoid using self-control on a date by avoiding private locations. That's pretty easy. So watch a movie in a public theater instead of your private living room. With this decision, you have decided to flee from temptation instead of fighting it. Of course, there are situations where you must use your self-control, And in these circumstances, you resist the devil and he flees from you. So you just, you you have to balance these out throughout your life, you know. So you want to get rid of temptation every time that you can in order to save that willpower so you can use it when you need it. So I just want to summarize of what we talked about. 
and give you some of these actionable steps that I had mentioned earlier. The first step in living a no-limits life in Jesus is becoming on fire for God. We had talked about that. Desiring a relationship with Him above all else. And developing a strong willpower will help us do this because you are able to start making better decisions and that entails storing up your treasure in heaven, which will increase your desire for Him. Strong willpower will also help you resist sin, accomplish the goals that God has put on your heart, and make success and prosperity a reality in your life. There are a few ways to increase willpower. We talked about two of them today. Meditating, which is when we think about God's Word and just let it roll around in our minds. And, and meditating is also getting quiet and listening to the Holy Spirit and what He is saying to us. And we also talked about putting our flesh under subjection by denying its control over us. And fasting is an excellent way to do this. So these are the steps that you can take today. But before we finish today, uh, we are going to take a couple minutes and uh, just to get quiet and to listen to God. And you can identify like two or three things that you want to remove from your life. Most of the time, we already know the things that we need to remove from our life. But if, if, you, if you don't know, just take this two or three minutes, seek God, and see what He wants you to remove. But then ask Him what He wants you to replace those things with. Because when you remove something, you need to replace it with something good. Ask Him what He would like you to do. Maybe you watch too much TV. Maybe you focus on work too much. Maybe there's something specific that you need to eliminate from your daily life. God is calling you into a deeper relationship with Him. So ask Him what that looks like for you. So let's go ahead and take just a couple minutes.
Now, if that wasn't long enough, you can always go home, meditate on the Word, see what God wants you to do. <laughs> do you want to hear something awesome? In uh, this next week, starting next week, we're starting another 21 days of prayer, okay? Just like we did at the beginning of the year. And I know that God has something big planned because he put this message on my heart. Like, it was already halfway done before Kate had told me what we were doing. So God is, like, setting you up. <laughs> He's setting you up for success, okay? Because if you dedicate yourself to this 21 days of prayer, you can start that 21 days of, of I mean, that meditation should be part of your prayer. So when you're up and you're, and you're just praying and you're seeking God, and then you can get quiet and you can meditate on his word. All that can be wrapped up into your prayer time. So I know he has something big for it, if you just grab a hold of it. This is going to be the perfect opportunity for you to start putting into practice the things that we learned today. Take the steps to build up your willpower and start living your no-limits life in Jesus today. Amen.